can't do it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Giants fans, welcome to Big Blue All Year, the podcast that brings you New York football Giants content all year long while your hosts toe tap the line between podcast professionals and a bunch of fanatics talking shit at the end of the bar. Tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year is not brought to you by anyone. Insert sponsor here. Don't forget to follow on Twitter at Big Blue All Year and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Adult content ahead because you know we're doing it live. We were all excited, guys, to continue with our weekly positional breakdown. So if you listened last week, we got into linebackers. Tonight is going to be about the offensive line or it was anyways. And don't worry, we're going to get into protection tonight. But for once in this pandemic-filled offseason, we actually have some headlines. So with that said, Disciple. Nope. Burger. Yeah, buddy. Answer me the age-old playground taunt. Are we kicking it or are you sticking it? Wide receiver David Sill, Giants practice squad player tested positive for COVID-19. You know, Mac, I was going to say who until I Googled him, but Sports Illustrated held Sill as one of the greatest prospects ever in 2010, and Lane Kiffin even offered him a scholarship as a seventh grader at USC. Besides that, he's been a practice squad player for two seasons, so can we kick it? All right, TC, Tom Coughlin, in a bicycle accident this week. Oh, I, I think we're going to be sticking it this time. So this guy, Tom Coughlin, was riding his bike, and uh, a guy on a bike, I guess going the other way, hits him, and he flips over the handlebars. Friggin' Tom Coughlin breaks his rib, punctures his lung, and I guess he gets home to his wife. He's like, She's like, yo, you should probably go to the hospital. And he's like, nah, because this guy's the motherfucking toughest guy on the sidelines, man. I mean – Think of all the time he was hit on the sidelines. Think of the time he was – his face was exposed to the blistering winds and of the of the frozen tundra in, uh, what was that, January 2008. I mean, the guy belongs on a box of Wheaties. I love him. Tom Coughlin is one of the toughest sons of bitches to ever step on the sideline of football field, honestly. Legendary. All right, Aldrich Rosas, former All-Pro kicker 2018 for the Giants, officially cut. The man gets arrested on a hit-and-run charge while having a suspended license, boys. Crashes his car, flees the scene on foot. You know what? You can say goodbye to your Giants career. You can say goodbye to your NFL career. Kickers are a dime a dozen in the NFL. There are plenty of fish in the sea. So, yeah. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Two-time Super Bowl champion long snapper Zach Diasi retires this week. I have to stick it. Uh, special teams doesn't get nearly as much respect as it does, and I think all Giant fans need to put some fucking respect on Zach Diossi's name. The guy's the last uh, Super Bowl champion on the roster. He's retired. He's uh, he's going right into the ring of honor, 51. I don't think we'll be retired just yet just because, I don't know, you need those not- – there's a lot of linebacker numbers being retired for the Giants. There's not too many 50s left, but – uh. No, I absolutely love him. Congratulations on a great career, Zach. Stuck the landing. All right, this one's for you, Burger. Frustratingly so. 
DJ Daniel Jones grows a mustache in minicam. This is a toss-up for the burger because I got only love for my boy Danny Dimes, you know? But the dude shows up to training camp with a mustache, straight up looking like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. Let's move on. I'm kicking it. Well, there was no avoiding this one, but DeAndre Baker, who was officially put on the commissioner's exempt list, has now been officially charged with four counts of armed robbery. Yeah, I got to stick it. I'm, I'm really uh, frustrated in this guy, DeAndre, because I, you know, talking about him, I almost stuck my neck out for him. I was like, yeah, he wasn't good in the beginning, but like, I like what I see. I think he, he's, I think he really gets it now. The pros that he was around saw him sleeping and, you know, he was, he was half-assing it, dogging it. And now he does this. He goes full Florida, man, armed robbery with Quentin Dunbar. There's, they're paying witnesses. There's all kinds of bullshit going on. There's going to be a trial. Hopefully it's televised because that'll make for some great fucking drama. But I'm so fucking disappointed in this guy, DeAndre Baker, just because of the draft cap we gave up for him. He was living at his lawyer's house. How do you fuck up so bad? And your lawyer said, I need you to live with me because I'm afraid you're going to fuck up again. So, DeAndre... I'm not mad, but I am sure as fuck disappointed. Stuck the landing. Marcus Golden officially signs his tender worth $4.1 million. They could flex with certain incentives to $5.1 million. Mac, we covered this last week. Can we kick it? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. All right, Nick Gates, 24-year-old undrafted offensive lineman out of Nebraska, signed a two-year extension for Base salary, $6.825 million. With incentives, this undrafted man could be making $10.3 million over the next two years. I'm saying stick it. I really like Nick Gates. I really like what I saw from him. He's got the ability to play just about anywhere. He's an interior offensive lineman at heart, as he said, but he stepped into tackle for Nate Solder when he got hurt. And, you know, I didn't hear his name called too much, which is a damn good thing for an offensive lineman. I agree with the signing. I think we had to sign him just for the depth. And you get the versatility that he can play. And I think he's going to compete for a starting position, maybe center. Uh, we'll probably digress into that later on when we get into our offensive line conversation. Stop the landing. I think you may have divined that uh, from the gods. The Nate Solder opts out officially for the 2020 season. Oh, we're sticking it, boys. Nate Solder opting out for obvious medical choices. Um, the man was a cancer survivor back in 2014. Uh, his five-year-old son's been battling cancer since he was three months old. You got a feel for the guy. Um, you know, he had a, it's a tough situation for this man. Um, I think he made the obvious choice and the right choice. But also, he puts the Giants in a predicament now because, you know, we paid him four years, $62 million to be a top left tackle, and he's just never delivered on that. Stuck the landing. What do you boys think? Yeah, let's uh, – oh, sorry, Disciple, please. I will defend Gettleman every day for signing Nate Solder just because the, the supply was so little for free agent left tackles. Nothing was working. He had to do something. He comes in. Nate Solder comes into the building meets with him. Honestly, Dave Gettleman could not let him leave without a contract. And Giants Nation really praised the move at the time. 
you know, it was it was a good move. It's like, oh, we got the best available left tackle, but at the same time, how good is the best available? It's only in relative to the other options, which were pretty much non-existent. So one thing I always say, great offensive linemen never hit the open market, and the ones who do are mediocre and will get overpaid. Well, I think you see that time and time again with, I frankly, most free agency. You know, that's just the general rule of thumb, I feel like. But let's pull it up the reins for a moment before we go any further down the Nate Solder and then broader offensive line rabbit hole. You know, Berger touched on it. We're probably going to say some not super awesome things about Nate Solder here in just a moment from strictly a football perspective. But that's aside. COVID-19, the decisions these players are making with going on the exempt list or opting out, whatever the terminology is, it is a personal decision for for their health, for their family's health, excuse me. And that should be completely separate of any uh, conversation we're about to have on the football perspective. Um, So, you know, God bless. Hope it all works out. Um, You know, he'll be making his money. That's for damn sure for the next few years and take care of his family. That said, Nate Solder. You burned us, Bozo. I mean, like you said, Disciple, he was dog shit for the last couple of years. Albatross of a contract, whatever you want to talk about. Yes, in the vacuum of the context in which we had to go get him, you're right. We needed offensive line help. We were rolling with Eli Manning. We needed to do everything that we could, and we we drafted a top 10 pick, and we signed a huge um, free agent signing at the position, and it all went to shambles. This situation now extends the what we're connected to with Solder. We are going to have him in his 33-year-old season at a year off of playing at all with a $16.4 million cap hit next year, 13 mil in dead money. So it really, it does nothing for us to cut him. It won't be until 2022 when we'll be able to actually cut him. And that doesn't throw into all the complications that we have with having to pay Evan Ingram, Jabil Prepper, Peppers, and Saquon Barkley in the next few years. It just, he burned us. It screws us on the field, off the field. It's a clusterfuck. I'm sorry. Nah, I mean, I love that take, John. That was fiery. That was... <laughs> emotional time. Mac, that was... That was it, no, I, but I totally understand because now, you know, we were in a position to let him go after this season and it was going to be a minimal cut. You know, the dead money wasn't crazy, but now it pushed everything back a year. So it's it's frustrating. Like, like you know, the man, Nate Solder, we love and respect, but the player is just – it's just not where he needs to be, unfortunately. Let me, let me give you guys a stat. Nate Solder finished with an 86.9 pass block win rate last season, which was 129th out of 171 eligible line, or offensive linemen. For those of you listening, that translates to a dumpster fire. So that's there's only thirty. There's sixty four starting tackles in the league, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's how team. bad it was to that extent. Uh, it, and I feel like so many plays, like Daniel Jones would just get the ball immediately. There's a man in his face. Like on the even dude that game against Tampa Bay, it was just like. Over and over, just a pocket immediately collapsed. I still can't believe Daniel Jones won that game, dude. Like constant pressure in his face. Like I, I have an image in my really head. It really is. Of, it's like, remarkable, dude. Just a constant pressure. It's like oh, a D lineman just like about to sack his helmet. Like is all I can think of. Like 
he always had someone in his face that game. And like you said, we did get the and W. We, he took still, a beating. We still needed a missed, like, 30-yard field goal to win that game somehow. <laughs> yo, but no, no. We can't – yo, honestly, stop. Okay, yeah. How many times have the Giants been fucked by the last second field goal? I don't want to hear it, bro. That 63-yarder uh, in Philly, bro. Think about, think about all the bullshit times. That time, what was it, like three or four years ago, uh, Dallas versus us. We lost a shootout in New Orleans, 52 to 49. The Panthers, the Panthers game in the last few years, too. It, nah, come on. Dude, come I was on. at the Giants' buck game, I think, two we, years ago. Where we, it we were owed that shit. We were owed that shit. The football gods spared us another miserable loss. That would have been. <laughs> well, to somehow tie the strings between our disparate, insane ramblings, uh, talking about all the times we've been screwed by kicking and the cap implications of Nate Solder, you know, we have to replace um, Rosas. I know we got Chandler Cantanazaro, I think it's pronounced. Um, but it, one of the broader issues with Solder is that nothing fits the timeline. We have issues with our buying power now at a time where most people think that the cap is going to restrict for the first time in a very long time that, you know, the cap space has been continuing to increase year over year uh, because of all the revenue generation that the league has had um, that is in danger next year. So we're have Leonard Williams coming up for um, whether we decide to pay him or not. We're stuck with Nate Solder. We have decisions with our players to make. And in theory, it's not like Nate Solder coming back will be anything more than depth unless the guys that start this year are so god-awful, which would present an entire another colossal problem in the roster <laughs> construction of this team. So uh, it's just I, – I don't think there are any objective positives other than young guys getting more experience this year. Um, it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. So talking about overpriced protection, now a word from our sponsors. Here at Big Blue All Year, we're all about that Giants lifestyle. And tonight's edition of What the F Would That Look Like is not brought to you by Lifestyle Condoms. Because if you're looking to ride out your life in style, these are not the pass protectors for your quarterback. Lifestyle Condoms, the Eric Flowers of rubbers. And now back to the show. What the F would that look like? All right, if you're joining us for the first time, this is our weekly segment where we posit a hypothetical and discuss what the F the world would look like if that were to actually come true. In a world where COVID-19 has stricken the New York football giants offensive line, has pushed their backs to the wall, three rookies emerged to the forefront. What the fuck would it look like if Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, and Shane Lemieux are starting tackling centers in 2020? That would look like, in this scenario, left tackle, Andrew Thomas, starting. Left guard, Will Hernandez. Center, Shane Lemieux, fifth-round pick from Oregon. Kevin Zeitler at right guard. And 99 third round overall, uh, excuse me, third round pick out of UConn, Matt Parrott at right tackle. Is that right, Disciple? Is this the, the reality we're talking about here? That is the alternate reality we're talking about here. And it's honestly, it's, I would say there's like a 50% chance that happens. Had you said this? Maybe be, a little bit less. I, I don't know, man. It might be higher than that. I think it might be more likely than not 
that that is the case. Because really, I mean, I guess we're going to get into it here in a moment because the questions are, is Spencer Pulley locked in at center? I don't think that's the case. I think they're, they hope someone beats him out. Um, then we just gave that money to Nick Gates, so you think he's going to play a role. And then Cam uh, Fleming, I believe it is, um, who has connections to both the, the Cowboys coaching staff and the Patriots, is really just been nothing more than a capable swing tackle. So that said, let's focus on one at a time. Andrew Thomas, I guess it just removes any doubt whether or not he was going to be a left or right tackle. In my opinion, you go up and you get a technician like this guy uh, playing against the best competition in college football down at Georgia. Um, He's stepping in at left tackle. That's why you draft him to solve a problem. The only question really was going to be right or left tackle. Nate Solder's out. I feel pretty good about Andrew Thomas stepping in at left tackle. I do. I'm going to give a different outlook at the left tackle position here, boys. Um, Don't get me wrong. I love that we drafted Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick. I think it was the right move. I think he was the only pure left tackle in the draft who could become a franchise cornerstone for 10 to 15 seasons, which we have desperately needed. Um, But with that being said, I wonder if there could be some hesitancy from the Giants coaching staff to start him week one. There's going to be a lot of expectations to be put on this young man now that Nate Solder has opted out for the 2020 season. I just fret that in a weird offseason where he doesn't deliver out the gate and he then struggles all season. The Giants roster slash schedule already has the makings of being a random flaming bag of poop on a front porch, let's be honest. Um, What's not to say that the New York media doesn't jump all over him after he struggles out the gate and this man just loses his confidence immediately. And in that scenario, what if he becomes a top pick like Luke Jokel or Greg Robinson? And sorry to say, Giants, Giant fans, what if he becomes Eric Flowers, which is the worst case scenario? Um, for the Giants' sake, let's hope this doesn't come true and that Thomas solidifies the left tackle position. He owns it out the gate and that he is our starter. But I could see that maybe he doesn't get the job immediately out the gate. Uh, I'll digress to the disciple. Let me know what you think. Uh, I have to call blasphemy burger. I think if you, if you spend that resource to get him at fourth overall, you gotta just throw him in there and it's going to be a test. But at, at the same time, I saw him rank somewhere where he was like 22 in the league. He hasn't even played a fucking snap yet, bro. Now think about that. And Nate Solders at what one twenty five out of one seventy nine? Like <laughs> this is a, this is has all the makings of being an exceptionally good upgrade. I think that we watched him in college, and he was always at the top. He got lost in that combine hype with Beckton being this crazy fast big man, and you know worse being the workout warrior. But I feel like Thomas was always regarded as that number one guy, and I, I think he's going to prove it to us. Like. And when, when you made that take about, oh, uh, the New York media is going to get him, like, I th- think the mentality of these kids is a lot stronger than we give them credit for. Like, dude, Daniel Jones could have just – and I know he's not an offensive line lineman, but Daniel Jones could have just toiled under the, the media pressure. I mean, dude, think of what, what was going on in the NFL world when he was drafted. And, I mean, it was, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen just from a draft pick. You know what I'm saying? Mac, what do you think? I mean, anytime you're stepping into the, 
you know, in front of the shadow of a giant, literally and, you know, metaphorically, that comes with some unique circumstances. So to that point, disciple, all the credit in the world to Daniel Jones. As it relates to Andrew Thomas, I think it's just about, you know, this guy has been starting in some of the biggest sporting events in the world since he was 18. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe he was playing in the college football playoffs or in some massive bowl games as a rookie starting on Georgia's offensive line and then continued to do that for the next two years. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Berger, with all due respect, there's no way in hell he is not stepping in and starting at one of these two positions. Um, I think some of the flaws, if you want to pick at his game, are different than the ones that we saw with Eric Flowers, who was less of a tactician, excuse me, less technically sound than from what uh, all reports and video you can see on Andrew Thomas seem to appear. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, on the flip side, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm flip-flopping here. Uh, Disciple, whatever article that was, I think it was New Jersey Sports Daily, if I want to say, um, but that's insane for this guy to step in and be, you know, a top 20 tackle without. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is loose. to the men that have been playing the game, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully he does. And he has a hell of a season. Uh, but okay. The one that you guys can really make the argument for me here is Parrot. um, with him, if he is starting at right tackle, I think that everybody in the draft world was pretty happy with the pick, but it was a, a fairly uniform consensus that this guy was going to need a year to bulk up and get accustomed to the speed of the game coming out, you know, from UConn and the American athletic conference and stepping into the NFL. But, you know, Dave Gettleman has a pretty good record with mid to late round offensive line success. You know, names like Daryl Williams and Andrew, Andrew Norwell sort of stick out uh, in my mind as players that he got with the Panthers that have gone on to great success in the league. um, Andrew Norwell in particular. So I could see pair coming in and and being an athletic freak and doing well. Uh, Maybe that's me just really wanting that to happen. It's a gamble, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, what do we have to lose really? Like we're not, we weren't expected to really go anywhere anyway. And I, I honestly like the, uh, the possibility of these guys really getting their licks in, getting their chemistry set. You know, that was a big part of those championships, man, was the chemistry of the offensive line. Like they, there were some pro bowlers, but I don't know if they were all pros. Like they, they weren't like, like the top talent, but as a freaking unit, man, they were just so like cohesive and they really just won the battle up front as a group. So my uh, my take on Parrot is I, I am also a fan of him. I, I like the pick at 99 with him. Uh, he played all four years at UConn. The only downside is he, he played for UConn, which only faced two top 25 teams last season, both L's. They're a losing program. They're not very good. Um, the guy's got plenty of experience, though, at both left tackle and right tackle, which is great. Uh, this team could use all the versatility it needs, or it can get, sorry. Um, he offers a lot of upside athletically. He had the longest reach of the combine at 36 and 5 eighths inches, which is a pretty impressive physical characteristic, if you ask me. Uh, he scored a 9 on some relative athletic score, and 10 the highest and 5 being average, so he's just a freak of nature. And like you said, Mac, if he can bulk up and add in the weight room, like I don't see why he can't pummel people on the right side of the line, give Barkley a bunch of holes, you know? No, absolutely. 
I, you know, the first game is going to be a test for these guys because you're going up against uh, Bud Dupree and TJ Watt on the outside. You know, these are no puto uh, edge rushers over here. These are some legitimate NFL talents that they're seeing day one. If they both start week one, like, this couldn't be a worse matchup for us. Like you just said, two all pros last year. What a, what a great game to get, you know, your feet wet. Monday night football. Oh, yeah. Welcome welcome to the NFL in front of the whole fucking world. Welcome to two 10-plus sack guys. There might not be anybody in that stadium, but for a country that has been starved for entertainment and sports, a Monday night football game with the Steelers and Saquon Barkley and the New York football Giants, those lights are going to be shining bright for those young men. So with that as the pivot then, because I think – regardless of where you stand, we're generally pretty optimistic about Andrew Thomas. He was going to probably start or play a big role. At least you can see that burger um, on this line for this year, no matter what pair were cautiously optimistic um, would love an extra year for him, but hey, if he's going to step in and step up, you know, who knows you could get the job done where I am not as optimistic as I think a lot of people are, are in Shane Lemieux. And don't get me wrong. I was, I was happy that we drafted him. I've been banging the desk for years for us to just draft a ton of offensive linemen, and I'm not going to start criticizing them the year that they finally do. And I think at best, if your fifth round draft pick steps in and plays a competent backup role, that's a success. But the idea that a guy who has never played the center position at the collegiate level, certainly not at the professional level, has never snapped the ball in a real live game setting, is all of a sudden going to step on the field and be a competent NFL center and beat out a guy on the team who admittedly does not get anyone excited, uh, excited, excuse me, and Spencer Pulley, but a guy who has legitimate NFL experience. So if there's any hole I would poke in this ship, it's the idea that Shane Lemieux is a legitimate candidate to threaten for the starting center position. Would you say he's not dropping any panties at the position? <laughs> One might say nice. that, that is the case. Uh, I, 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 it's not bad. I, I think it's the guy started 52 consecutive games at left guard. So the man's been in the trenches. You know what I mean? Like, He's a reliable blocker. He's got a high motor. The man's got a fucking mean streak, for God's sakes. Like, he plays with some grit. And a lot of people picked him as a good – he was a late-round steal. I'm excited to see if he can develop into that center because I want to see this guy mow over some D-linemen, you know? Like, open up some lanes, like I said, Matt Perry could possibly do. Like, if this line could gel together with these three rookies, Barkley could have himself a season, boys. But at the same time, you really think a guy that's played left guard his whole life is going to is going to beat out a dude who played center his whole life? I mean, you know, when you're a center, you usually start like fifth grade, man. This guy just started in February snapping. Yeah, I mean, Spencer Pulley started all 16 games for San Diego at the time um, in San Diego in 2017 has been a no I'm talking about I'm talking about Lemieux no I know I'm saying but you're talking about the idea he's going to step in and beat out a guy with uh professional experience at the position you know 
But then also let's talk about the sorry state of the situation that we're in, that we are, we are hoping we just really need our fifth round guard to be the starting center. Like that's <laughs> that, like, think about the concept of the conversation that we're having, like is so pathetic. And also when it comes to offensive line, talent talks, you know, a disciple, you said earlier that f- uh, free agents that make it to free agency typically are mediocre guys that get paid at an elite level. And sure, there are plenty of uh, instances with late round success at all positions, offensive line included. But you look at the top 10 offensive linemen in 2019, and six of the top 10 were first rounders. Four of them were top 10 draft picks. The lowest person on that list was a fourth rounder. Admittedly, the number one overall rated David Bakhtiari and for the Green Bay Packers. But the point remains, of the people on this list, all of them were high draft picks. So just, again, the idea that we are hoping that a fifth rounder is the solution to our problems just speaks to how fucked we actually are, in my humble opinion. (laughs) I mean, if we don't get good production, out of center like think about what an what like a, a front would look like if the two guards and the two tackles are like kind of doing their job but the center it just blows the coverage think about how quick that middle is getting penetrated and how quick a man is in the quarterback's face like i feel like you don't you take it you take a center for granted like we as giant fans we took sean o'hara for granted you know what i mean he's a great fucking player Great player, great giant all around. And we had him for a while and until we didn't. And, you know, who played center since then? David Boss. And, you know, David Boss uh-huh. took for granted, too, because he was – Yeah, no, David Boss is pretty of, good. Uh, two or three years of just of competent production from him, and then it's been – That's all we need. We don't need a fucking all-pro center. Just need a guy who can snap and block. That's all it really is. I think we just need a leader so at center. Like we need it's so much easier said than done. I know, but like someone who can take the reins, you know, and be able to call out like blitz schemes and be able to see where, like, just call out like where things are happening is just something I feel like we're lacking. Like someone just to take control of this group, and like I guess we're talking about a rookie coming in is kind of a scary aspect, really, or a concept. But in all honesty, we have, like you said, Sean O'Hara was amazing. And we haven't had anywhere near that production really since. So we'll find out who – I don't think Nick Gates is going to take this job either, by the way. He is way too big to go at center. He, he's got to be a tackle. Yeah, he's six. Nah, six. I don't – I mean, I don't know because he's described himself as I'm a, I'm a guard at heart. Even though he played tackle and was okay. In an interview, he said, I'm best suited as a guard. And, I mean – uh, they, a lot of a lot of people think that guards can play center and centers can play guards if needed, but they're they're two you know different positions when you get into different sizes, different stunts and stuff. Well, as so, we talked about it earlier, takes, it takes a pretty high degree of mental aspect. He the man got paid, so unless we're just in a position to be throwing money around for no goddamn good reason, I believe that Gettleman and this coaching staff must have some. They must have some plans for Nick Gates. Otherwise, I don't understand what the hell is happening. Um, but 
I guess I'm not the general manager, but I digress. Not yet. Not yet. Well, yeah, Mark Colombo is going to have yet. his work cut out for him. I'll tell you that. He goes <laughs> from having three Pro Bowlers to three rookies like that. Yeah. Yo, that's a test. Let's see it. Let's see what you're fucking made of, Colombo. The top five now, unit last Columbo. year. Let's see what we can do. Before we move on, um, I think not that we don't have our nitpicks with Hernandez, but I think we just paid Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler the best compliment you can give an offensive lineman. Uh, We completely ignored them. Uh, They are obviously the guys that are locked in at left and right guard. That's not really a question. Um, I mean, Kevin Zeitler has been phenomenal uh, since we acquired him from the Browns and Obviously, his consistency speaks for himself before that. Talk about a leader on the offensive line. I think he's going to be your guy. And then uh, Hernandez, hopefully, we just need to see him improve. You know, he played well rookie year, had a little dip sophomore year. Uh, That's not unheard of. I think he's on the right track. So um, to your point earlier, Disciple, hopefully these guys can grow together. Zeitler is an elder statement on the line, but he's only 30, I believe. 31 may be at the oldest. Uh, but that's in the context of offensive line and guard position is not that old. So um, that said, you know, we're, we're starting to talk about starting positions here. So the season is basically a month away guys. And all of these headlines and the possibilities, uh, I think the only way we can properly express ourselves are with some huge predictions. So this week's huge predictions is not brought to you by Facillo Automotive, but we're working on it. So if anybody knows their VP of marketing, please hit us up on Twitter at Big Blue All Year. My huge prediction is going to be that uh, NFL will be played on days other than Sunday, Thursday, and Monday. We call a sin. Well, my huge (laughs) prediction, uh, I'm going to go pretty huge with this. Let's keep it weird. Until we have games to talk about, these predictions are going to be out there, folks. So I'm talking bubble time. Look around. The MLB is messing it up. That season, unfortunately, for for the sake of my Mets fans on this pod, um, will willingly come to an end soon, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Whereas the NBA season is going strong. I think the NFL, there's way too much money on the line. My huge prediction is that there is going to be a bubble town made in, call it Montana. We're going to make an NFL stadium, Chinese hospital speed style, and in an Olympic village style bubble city around it. We're getting football no matter what, because I cannot live in a reality where that's not possible. Uh, So that is tonight's huge prediction. Damn, I really hope that comes true because no football would suck. But with COVID causing so much uncertainty as we keep talking about, for this upcoming football season, the Burgers' huge prediction is that all three rookie offensive linemen that we just mentioned earlier will lead the Giants to being a top 10 unit in the league this season. And if this plays out, let me say my bold prediction about Barkley last week just gained a lot of traction boys synergy synergy in your predictions if you haven't figured it out by now folks we're possessed by the spirits that reside in 1925 giants drive but hey even they make mistakes so let's exercise tonight's demons with the shaman
All right, guys. I want to say good job. You guys did the research this week, so there wasn't really that many demons. But there were some, so I digress. First, let me start with the one that broke my heart. Not really on you guys. It's more of a timing issue. But I regret to inform you that Daniel Jones no longer has a mustache. It's been shaved off. Kevin Zeiler is 30 years old. He's going to be on the team for a little bit longer. If it's like I play in Madden, maybe we'll push it to 34, 35. Andrew Thomas played right tackle his freshman year, but they lost in overtime to Alabama in the championship. My biggest concern, though, for you guys, do you guys think three rookies are going to start on this offensive line? Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Spencer Pulley, guys. He's an NFL center with experience, but you guys are, are opting for what? Shane Lemieux? A fifth-round guard who only started snapping to up his draft stock? I don't think it's going to work out too well. But, you know, realistically, I see it. As the lines coming out is left tackle, Andrew Thomas, left guard, Hernandez, Pulley, Zeitler, and then right tackle, Kevin Gates. As you guys said, we just gave him a bunch of money. Let's use it. We also can't forget about uh, Cam Fleming. Look, Daniel Jones bulked up a couple pounds this year, but... He needs more protection than just eight pounds. All right, time to fact check the fact checker. I'm my realist, and I heard myself say Kevin Gates instead of Nick Gates for right tackle. I'm the only one from New York City on this show, so I was just keeping a gangster. All right, all you dreamers and creamers. Thanks for joining us, Giant Jagaloons, for tonight's episode of Big Blue All Year. Please like and review us on Spotify and Apple Pods. For Burger, the Disciple, and the Shaman, I'm Mac. We're Big Blue All Year. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>